100%. Walker, didn't I tell you that, that Brian would be big on Ken Mamalo last Mate, podcast? He's in my fucking, he's in my list of, of who do you think represents the most injury value. I noted down the players. Oh, I did a bit, I was sucking Kenny's dick all, all the way through the CTW rub down, talking about how much of a sleeper he was. And I was like, I guarantee you Brian's going to be on. Hello, handsome. Care for a rub down. I need all of you. To stop what you're doing and listen. Something special is about to happen. Are you waiting to receive my lip penis? Very around. Yeah, g'day rubbers, welcome back to the Weekly Rubdown, a podcast that rubs down everything NRL Supercoach Draft. You are listening to the 2023 preseason injury rubdown. I'm your host, Natty, and with me as always, riding shotgun, is the stats wizard, Walker the Weasel. Hello, mate. Natty, what's going on? Whew, pumped for this one, because back for his first rub of the season, the man with the soft, softest hands in the biz, the syndesmosis whiz, NRL <laughs> physio, Brian Sand. Injured, in fact. Oh, I suffered a bad case of syndesmosis. The most common is a direct blow to the head. Also, the pec injury can come into play. Oh, the best one. Lateral, collateral ligament. Perhaps you could toss me a band-aid or some antibacterial cream. Get up, tough it out, you'll be right. What's going on, brother? Boys, not a lot, not a lot. I'm sitting here, my mighty Dolphins are playing their first game on the screen in front of me, and they're actually winning against a Queensland Oof. Cup. So, what more can you for? Uh, the missus is away for the weekend, so I'm also sitting here with two baby monitors in front of me. I've got a beer in hand. I'm talking draft with you boys. It can't get much better on a Saturday, I don't think. Life is good, brother. We'll crack them if you got them. Cheers to you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Worries, oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. All right. So if you're new to the injury rubdowns that we do here on the weekly rubdown with Brian, we go through... Pretty much from head to toe, talking about injuries coming into the 2023 season. And Brian gives his opinion and analysis on those injuries. And we work that towards draft and how that's going to affect your draft day. Um, But before we get into that, bro, what's happening with you? What's happening with your page, your Patreon, your podcast? Let's talk about it. Well, first off, I'll lead off. I'll give you boys a bit of rap because, look, I I haven't been across. I've been busting my ass getting these um, you know, injury profiles out, I must say. But the little bit of content that I have, you know, I guess inhaled over this off-season so far, plenty of your content, I reckon we're going to spend a lot of tonight agreeing on people because every time I see one of your posts pop up of like, you know, a guy whose value is looking good, I'm like, yeah, I, I pretty much came across the same for from the injury profile. So I think it's going to be a bit of love fest tonight. Oh, enough. I love that. <laughs> that makes me feel all warm inside, bro. <laughs> which you know great minds think alike but uh yeah boys look spent ages um had a really good response from the injury profiles last year effectively uh i look at uh the injury history so i list every injury that the player has suffered the last four years which is pretty much the time that i've been doing nrl physio stuff uh and then i give my analysis on every player considering that injury history so it's not only their risk of injury this year it's are they undervalued which is a lot of stuff we'll talk about tonight so are they undervalued because of injury from last season they played through an injury are they overvalued because they've got a lingering niggle or issue or you know their injury history suggests that they're at increased risk of injury moving forward 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I think is you know well uh, the feedback's been really really good. Guys uh, have sort of said that the the depth, like you're not going to get uh, like without giving myself too much of a a rap, you're not going to get that information anywhere else. And while it's not the be all and end all, and it's not the you know probably it's not the vital information for every player. For a lot of players, it can be the difference, um, you know, that edge that you need to get over in your draft league, in your classic league, whatever it is, uh, picking up on those little tiny bits of injury risk or performance, you know, I guess undervalue uh, could be the difference. Yeah, and it's about giving the people the tools to make the right decisions and, and take the right risks where they should take them. Um, I've had a flick through, mate. It's, it's unreal. Um, you pointed out a few big things that um, that we might touch on, some other ones that we might just keep under wraps. But, yeah, definitely head across to Brian's Patreon, NRL Physio. It's – sign yourself up. It's, it's gold. It's fucking gold. And, look, if you are serious about winning your draft leagues, I'm telling you now the one-two combo that you want in your back pocket is – the NRL Physio Patreon and the Weekly Rubdown Patreon. You're winning leagues if you if you if you're a subscriber to both of those. Please, you are weaponized. I well, can't I put it any better than that. Like I was talking to you boys off air, right? And it's like literally this prep. Like I, I did 250 players, and that's if I, wild. If I was just targeting classic leagues, I wouldn't do 250 players yeah. because no, not. not at all. Classic, you don't need to consider 250 players. But in draft, you do. You need to consider all those players. As you boys know and as the listeners probably know, I'm a massive draft head. And so this is the kind of stuff, like, as much as it gives value to you guys, I actually get a lot of value out of this for my draft prep because it allows me to go through all of those guys. And I might find a round 13 roughy who I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Like, I'm mm. this guy. You know what I mean? Whereas that guy might not be relevant at all in classic. So... Like it does, it obviously is valuable for classic players because I put, I probably put, there's a lot more to write about, about those big, you know, guns in classic or, or the cheapies in draft and, oh, sorry, cheapies in classic and stuff like that. I have a bigger write up about those guys to make sure the classic guys are covered. But mm. for draft purposes, I mean, you know, you're not going to find something that covers the injuries of those guys because it's not just about the guys in round one and two, and it's not just about the super obvious, you know, like your your Tommy Talaus or the winger from the Titans who's a you know a late round whatever or a cheapie. Like it's about you need guys from round seven to round seventeen who you might want some value from and so it is really it's it's i think it's more valuable for draft than it is for classic mm. yeah 100 and i mean how we view some of the stats that we put out on the patreon as well when you're drafting it might might help you make a decision when you're really torn between two or three guys that are sort of jumbled in the, in the same round if you know what i mean and i guess that's the same for the the injury injury analysis that you've got on your patreon is like if you're sort of stuck on a couple of guys here and then all of a sudden you read on your Patreon that, hey, he is coming off this sort of injury and you're a little bit down on him, you know, he might struggle for half the year or something like that, all of a sudden that decision becomes easy and you go, okay, so well, I'll take this other guy. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that in draft, mate, that can be the difference, right? Like if you go one guy over the other, 
Um, yeah, so look, jump on. It's uh, it's complimentary with any Patreon subscription, so that's five bucks. Um, so five bucks, and look, with the Patreon subscri- subscription, you're going to get a lot more than that over the next month. You get access to the Casualty Ward. I'm doing up a list at the moment of the 20 uh, most susceptible players to concussion, considering their history, so that should come out over the next week. You know, that's kind of stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else as well. Um, yeah, so five bucks there, or then if you go to any of my socials, I've got a, an individual download link as well, which is ten bucks, um, and that'll you know just get you the download if you're not interested in the Patreon, which is fine as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully heaps of people enjoy it, mate. And with the, these taxes going up on the price of beer, five bucks, it's half a schooner at the pub. Mate, it has I didn't I didn't put up with inflation from last year. <laughs> not, not, even, well, not even a craft. Well there, there you go you're getting you're getting it cheaper. You haven't yeah, any- that's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. 3% cheaper than last year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Freebies. How good. All right boys, <laughs> let's jump into this injury rub down. I'm still alive, but I'm very badly injured. So, first up we're going to be, we'll start at the head. So we'll talk about um, any head injuries, but mostly it's going to be concussions. So the big ones here, mm. Dal Finucan, he's the KO king. He was getting knocked out every three games. David Nofaluma suffered a, a pretty nasty one and he had a lengthy um, stay off the field because of it. Lindsay Collins obviously had a few as well. Um, and then Teddy with his ongoing concussions. Who do you want to talk about here, Brian? Mate, Finucan, I think um, for draft purposes, I don't think there's too many people who are looking at Finucan. The thing with Finucan for me is that he is it is fairly concerning, his history. Uh, the uh, the one thing that I look at is I think McInnes it, like, presents sneaky value uh, purely because it, like, you know, because mm-hmm. Finucan has that risk. Yep. McInnes I actually don't mind because I'm like, you know, if Finucan has another concussion, he's out for six, seven weeks. McInnes comes in and it's just, you know, I think McInnes is good in his own right anyway, but mm. with Anukin supposedly being in front of him, I, I, yeah, I think that's that little boost for uh, Finucan. Not for Luma, yeah, look, it is. He hasn't suffered that many concussions. He did have sort of lingering headaches, but it's probably not one that I'm super, you know, like I'm I'm not freaking out about at this stage. Uh, Lindsay Collins, I'm pretty off, actually, and we'll talk about him. I think at the end we're going to talk about guys I value and don't value. He actually made my, like, traps um, kind of thing because I think when I say that, a lot of people would, follow my usual rule of a guy coming back from you know second season back from an acl injury uh which is absolutely true and i think his performance should increase in that respect but he's just had a lot of concussions recently uh Mm. and that like i think while he's on the field his performance should be good but it just leaves him at a quite increased risk of suffering another and then not only suffering another but needing an extended recovery so i'm a bit off him um, I, I like a lot of other guys, like you know, in his range, like your Daniel Saifidis, your Christian Welshers, those kind of guys, like are probably around the same range in that draft. Give me them any day over Collins. And look, I could eat my words because I do think that while Collins is out there, he's going to score really, really well. And if he goes a year without suffering one, good, good on him. But I just think going into the season, that risk is there. And oh, look, Teddy, Teddy's probably. It's my – like, I think it's probably the best thing I came up with. Like, once again, talking to you boys off air about guys I get a lot of questions about. And I've had no questions about Teddy, like, this whole off season. Nobody's been asking me about him. And 
like what I've sort of come to with the injury profiles is that it absolutely should be a consideration, his injury history, both from his concussion and his knee respect. So he's someone who I initially had at number three sort of going into the year, but the more and more that I think about it, the more and more that your turbos, your monsters, uh, Latrell to a degree, I mean, Latrell's by absolutely kills him mm-hmm. in the finals, which is... And you're, you're only really going to be getting probably 20 games out of him as well with suspensions yeah. and... In, that's, yeah, <laughs> so Latrell probably less so, but definitely your turbos, and I mean, that's turbo with injury, you know, considerations and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm definitely less sold on Teddy as high up as he is now as well. Mm-hmm. And so how many words have you actually written on Teddy in, the, in your Patreon? I reckon it'd be a thousand at least. There you go. Oh, I, I, I think I've got a thousand on Teddy Pappy, and who was the other one? Ponga. Um, I, I got about eight hundred on Turbo. I think so. Yeah. No. There's uh, there's plenty plenty info there on the big guys. That's for sure. Yep. I read it. It's fantastic. It's it's definitely made me rethink um, my strategy for the those top sort of five six guys. That's for Fuck, sure. A thousand a thousand words. That'd be the most you've ever read, mate. Well, no, that's over a month. Oh, right, right. He bought the audio book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian's soothing, <laughs> soothing. I tell you what, I, w- I would pay extra for that. Yeah, that's something you might have to look into, Brian. Audio well, books, t- the I'd softest hands and the silkiest voice. <laughs> I'm writing it out, and I'm like twenty-seven thousand, twenty-seven thousand words. I'm like, fuck. If there's anyone that desperate that they're reading every one of these twenty-seven thousand words, I mean. Mm. I got there and wrote them, and I'm like, oh, yeah. uh, good luck to them if they do. <laughs> Would have been plugged it. into the matrix. Yeah, we we are absolute degenerates. So yeah, I, there's a good chance I will read every single fucking word before the season starts. <laughs> oh, let's get uh, let's move down the body a little bit here. We go get into the arm, shoulder, neck area here. So plenty of guys that has shoulder surgeries in the off season. You got Payne Haas, Tony Staggs, Ruben Gary, um, Jazz Tavega, also with that hernia. Uh, Bally Simonson. Then you had Kobe Hetherington with a bicep injury and Wonga Blake with a broken arm. Anyone you want to cover here? So I think uh, we'll just cover Garrick straight away and say I'm not concerned about him at all. Okay. Like, yeah, that's good. I think, well, I'm sure you guys have spoken about it. I haven't listened to your CTW pods yet, but I like, I was shocked to read the other day that he's moving to centre. Oh, yeah, we don't, we don't want is that. It, is it confirmed, though? Yeah, yeah, like he was literally being oh. in saying he's moving to centre and I'm that's, like, I'll that's get a, rid of that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a dumb move. Out. And I mean, this, this, when I read that and I've got my, my buy of the year later or my draft of the year, the guy I want to draft a lot in the first round and it's like Ruben Garrick's just out of the first round for me on that information. Oh, yep. easily, yep, easily. For sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, his shoulder isn't a consideration but there's way more shit going on there. Uh, Payne, mm. I'm in on. He played through two AC joint injuries last year. If you you know listen to me talk about AC joint injuries, they're pain management issues. They affect performance, but not availability as much. Mm. So you, you guys are able to play through mm. them. So I think Hass, the, the hardest thing with Hass, once again, yes, absolutely a buy from an injury perspective. I think the con- the major consideration from him is seeing where his headspace is at heading. Up. I think it's his mum. Yeah, like yeah. there's there's a lot of off field stuff going on there that I'm just like oh man like oh like that's what i want to see i want to see him in the pre 
season, you know, getting out there and, and killing it because, yeah, I think from a pure physical perspective, there's buy opportunity. Stags, yep, I'm in on as well. He stuffed his shoulder in origin. Um, you know, I was, as soon as he had that and the Broncos came out and said it was a bruised shoulder, I was pretty much like, you know, surely not. Um, and he his average dropped quite significantly uh, after he was playing through that um in the in the uh like post origin period yeah he kind of went missing a little bit didn't he yeah 100 percent. and so usually like shoulders i say and he's coming off a shoulder reconstruction but shoulder recos don't tend to affect outside backs all that much as much as so stags shoulder surgeries i should have said were just clean outs so mm. nothing much to worry about there but stags was a full-on uh reconstruction but it doesn't affect outside backs all that much. So I think there is a little bump in value there. Tavanga, less about his shoulder and more about his hernia. Like, I don't think he'll mm. make the start um, the first round and probably the first couple of rounds. So I think he's just a, you know. He probably would have been riding the pond anyway. So yeah. less, less relevant, I suppose. Um, Simmonson had his really late, um, you know, because they played in the grand final and stuff like that. So he'll be a little bit touch and go. It is his second shoulder reconstruction on that side. It, that doesn't concern me all that much because they, they probably ha- would have done like a more significant shoulder reconstruction on him. Uh, so that kind of, you know, really shores it up and decreases his um, risk of re-injury. Now, in saying that, once again, you know, less concern for an outside back off a shoulder surgery. But I'm not 100% whether he'll be fit for round one. So Hayes Dunster, maybe mm-hmm. a bit there. Kobe Hetherington could be fit you know, theoretically in the early rounds, but I think they're going to take it easy with him. Uh, and Wonga Blake, there's been no info from the Eels, so I can't really give much there. Just purely from we don't know when he suffered it. Like, it was announced, I think, at like kind of mid-January, but it's like, when did that happen? Did it happen early January? You just don't know in the off-season unless well, that. What's the, what's the sort of return rate for a, a broken Usually arm? Usually six to eight weeks, but yeah, it, can, okay. it can be like 10 to 12 weeks, depending on mm. which bone and how bad it was. And it's like Edric, you know, I'm sure you boys remember like Edric Lee, you know, he had oh, those yeah. arm fractures where he was just out for ages. Mm. Um, so it can happen. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell with that one until the yields actually give us some info. Right. What do you what do you think about that? Walk Katani Stags, little bump and value there. Oh, you got mate, some Katani, movement. Katani's always got some value. It's, oh, it's whether, it's I whether, know it's whose team he he's going to be in. It's, it's it's whether he lives up to the value. Um, um, that's that's always his problem. So, look, I, I'm a, I'm a huge Stags believer. I think. He's I never got that impression. <laughs> What's that? I never got that impression. <laughs> I look. I, I love what what he can do. It's just doing it on a regular basis. That's what we need to see from him. Um, that'll drive him back into the sky blue again. Yeah, I, I hope that this is the season for him. They've like the Broncos have got the tools in the in the tool bag. If they can just sort out the hooker situation, I think yeah. Um, I love that. Only- I love that Payne Haas call, um, Brian. Obviously, saying that he played mm. through injury. That obviously means that you know his performance was suffering a little bit towards the back end of the season. His average would have dropped. That just screams value for me, and my ears pricked up and went, "Oh, okay, sweet." So he's coming in. He's going to be healthier. He's going to be ripping a tear. Hopefully, mentally he's okay and he's good to go. But um, hearing you say that he played through those AC injuries, that's very interesting. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I'm all, like I'm all over him. As like you know, if 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 people are off him, you know, Broncos can be a bit uh, polarizing to begin with. You know, I find if it like you know if you're in a draft with people and there's no Broncos fans, they sometimes can sort of be off Broncos for a while. So if he drops because of that, if he drops because people think he was pretty crap last year because of the you know off field stuff, I think he's a good little pick. I, I, like unfortunately, boys, I'd love to sort of sit here and say what round I haven't because I've been working so hard on the injury. Mm. I haven't actually done up my lists, um, but sort of my gut says around that sort of late round two, early round three kind of range, I think he's pretty tasty. Yeah, sort of like picks 20 to 25, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, sweet. The other one I like is Kobe Hetherington, if they ease him back, which just so good for my boy, Paddy Garrigan. Like, if mm. he's just keep him out. If anyone in the Broncos system is listening, <laughs> just don't, just keep Kobe Hetherington on ice for the whole year and Paddy Carrigan, let's go, baby. You're not going to find anyone more about Paddy Carrigan than me. I'm just all, all second yep. season back and last season was the best season I've ever seen, first season back from an ACL. So mm. I can't wait to see what he can do this year. Yeah, I'll be reaching, and I'll be reaching around if you get what I what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, how could I how could I see that coming? See that video on socials where he picked up a FaceTime showing his abs. No, send it to me oh, from the Titans. So the Titans yeah. thing where they're all on like FaceTime and just like I don't know, pulling like a blue steel, and they were calling people to see how they picked up the phone and reacted. And I think they were calling from AJ Brimson's phone or, or one of the boys, and they called Paddy Carrigan, and he literally picked up like with the phone tilted down, showing off his abs, and he oh. lifted his shirt up. Like, yeah, it was funny. In my team, first round, let's go, <laughs> let's go. Oh, oh baby, all right, let's get into ribs back that sort of area we've got Tapanay, madison frizzell um i'm pretty sure they all have sort of rib injuries or or niggles yeah no i threw this in here uh sorry to put this on you unannounced i threw this in here because it wasn't in there to start with but i just wanted to mention that all those guys played through rib injuries last Mm. year Ooh, so an uptick in performance this year, possibly. Yeah, so like, and all of them, and once again, this was probably the best thing I did on Patreon last year, was Madison and Tapanay in particular were big, big classic guys. Like everyone, there were so many people on them. And Mm. as soon as they suffered those rim injuries, I was like, guys, if you've got trades, I'm like, sell them because they're going to drop. And they did, and like, you know, I I get a lot of calls wrong, yep, but I smashed these ones. Like they, they both dropped pretty significantly like at least 15 to 20 percent in their scoring so if you move them on at that time yeah yeah you you loved it and from a draft perspective as well you know if you traded them with people thinking oh you know it's only a rib injury it'll be fine so particularly for those middle forwards but what that presents us with this year um now obviously madison's role might change a little bit with you know a spot opening up on the edge and stuff like that but i think particularly Tapanay, Frizzell as well. I think he averaged 58 before he suffered his rib injury and then about 49 after his rib injury. So, you know, mm. little things like that, like that's that's big opportunity for value. So these are guys who you might look at in your draft list and just be like, oh, you know, Tapanay averaged, you know, 70 whatever, 72, 75. Yep, he, he scored well. But I'm like, I think he can actually average more than that this year oh. if he stays fit. So it's like, you know, that that's where... Like, you know, your guys like Tapanay, Madison, Frizzell, they're ones who I'm bumping up half a round to a round because I think, yeah, they're value. I was already big on Tapanay. How much bigger can I get? Oof. 
I'm right. loving this, mate. I'm loving this. Yeah, um, this is good. The Matto Even- call, and, and Frizzell was a guy that I thought he underperformed a little bit um, from what I was expecting from him. So the fact that he probably underperformed because of the rib injury, then, mate, it's changing my opinion. Might be, might be bringing him up on my list a bit as well. Yeah, I think it will come down to roll with Madison. Like, I'm all in on Madison, but I just want to see. It'll be hard because he's got that. I can't believe he took that suspension uh, but instead of the fine. But, yeah, he's got that suspension. So it's a different world, isn't it? Like, seriously, 10 years ago, could you imagine oh, a, a player been, taking a suspension? He would have flogged in the sheds. Flogged <laughs> in the sheds. Like, well, he's tried to go back on it, right? And I think that's because I've got it on some authority that it's because of club backlash. Like, there has been. Uh boys were which is fair enough absolutely filthy oh but, fuck um, yeah like i'm definitely all in on him provided that we get some sort of idea about his role yeah i yeah. I, I love him as well and i think he'll continue to play that role off the bench um but play big minutes i think he'll be around that 55 to 60 minutes coming off the bench running at tied defenders and if you're saying that he had sort of a rib injury that he was dealing with, like his main go is off, if offloading. Do you know what I mean? Like if that's him sort of protecting that rib and he's offloading the ball eight times, fuck me. Look out. I love it. His game is so conducive to super coach points, Matto. Yeah, no, I think he's, uh, he's a special this year. Hmm. I love that. Okay, Jesus. This is some good conversation. Deep breath. Tap it with a cold spoon. This is going well. This is going really well. This sounds like an absolute stitch up, this next one. Groin, hip, Adam Elliott, pubic symphysis. Did I get that right? Nailed it, mate. Nailed it. (laughs) Pew, pew, pew. Short notice. But I'll dob myself in here because if you go and read my injury profiles, I kind of gave him a rap and said he played through. So your pubic symphysis, if you're a male, um, go to your midline, uh, go to the base and go a little bit above the base and that bony sort of bit like right at the bottom of your abs is your pubic symphysis. Now, as you can probably imagine, any sort of injury to that area when you're running, twisting, tackling, all that kind of stuff can be pretty rough. Uh, And that's what he was dealing with in the back end of last year. So once again, playing through something that would have affected his performance for sure. Now, I was pretty high on him and wrote as such in the profiles because I said, look, they they should have the entire off-season to sort of get him over that. The only caveat I'm putting in there is that I am in on him, especially at a new club, with some minutes opening up. But I have heard now nothing confirmed, but I've had like three or four people message me saying, oh, apparently um, Adam Elliott's training off to the side. Uh, away no. from the main group. So I don't know whether he's still managing that or not. I, like, I, There's no information on that at this stage. I don't even know if it's confirmed that he's training off to the side because I get that many DMs of bullshit. You know, who knows where it comes from. <laughs> but when I get three or four, I'm like, oh, you know, that's probably enough to just mention it. So I, I think if we get, like, if he goes out for a trial and plays like normal, I'm big on Adam Elliott this year. I reckon he can be huge because he just scored like an absolute monster when he got given minutes uh, at the Raiders last season. And I think mm. the way that the Knights are, I think there's minutes there to be had in the middle. Uh, it'll just depend on whether we get an update on whether he was potentially training off to the side and why that was. Yeah, he, he, I mean, there could be a thousand reasons for that. So, no, I think I think keep your keep our eyes peeled for the trials and see what happens from there. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one to consider because he's obviously a massive massive um, option in classic, um, and he's a he's one that I've set up my list in in pre drafts as well. 
Love how, it. How many moon boot DMs do you get where people are going, I saw this bloke <laughs> in a moon boot? The other day, um, Reese <laughs> Walsh. Hey, Reese Walsh. And apparently he posted it as a joke. Like, just like it was in a movie. <laughs> yeah. People out. That's awesome. I love that. I would 100% do If I was a player, I would just randomly wear them. Yeah. But, like, a lot of the time, they're, they're like, preventative as well. Like, they don't have to have yeah. an actual injury. I would, say, I would say, especially in the preseason, like, so much of the time, it's just they're deloading something. Yeah. Have a bit of plantar fasciitis. They've just started to come back from, you know, off-season. They're getting the case through their legs. Mm. Something's a little bit inflamed, and they just want to deload it for a day or two. Like, you know, yeah. don't freak out, guys. Moon boot gate. I love it. Happens every year, yeah. and just everyone's like, have you, did you see him in the moon boot? Did you see the moon boot? He's in a moon boot. Oh, no. He's in, <laughs> scratch him out. This is, this is, He's this in is a moon boot. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have footy to talk about. <laughs> Our minds go racing. Yes, I love it. I love it. Uh, All right, let's move on. Let's get into uh, sort of upper leg area. So this is the hammy. Um, So Nathan Brown, hammy injury. Jaden Sullivan, which is the most recent one with the grade two hammy. And the hammer with a hammy as well. Um, Or a syndesmosis. Yeah, I read the list and I'm like, I don't know if you boys are more dialed in than I am about the hammer, but pretty sure he suffered a syndesmosis injury at the World Cup unless he suffered a hamstring injury after that and I don't know about it um, and you boys do. Well done. But, uh, yeah, we can talk about the hammer in the syndesmosis injuries if you, if you unless you've got some inside word for me. I don't know. I To be honest, I think I got this information off your Patreon, so... <laughs> I may have I may have misread it or read the wrong bloke. That's all good. We'll talk about him in ankles. I drink uh, a lot, Brian. So <laughs> I have I have heard that he was injured. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah, right. That's fair enough. So Nathan Brown, once again, not much information from the Eels. They haven't really sort of said when he suffered it, so it's really hard to say. Jaden Sullivan, we got a bit more information, so he suffered it. About six weeks to go till round one, and it was a grade two, so they're usually about that four to six week return. The thing with him is that he has a really significant um, hamstring history, so he's probably not someone who I'm chasing after, considering mm. the limited upside there. Like you know, there's not, you know, I don't expect him to come out in in the Dragons team the way that they're set up at the moment and be some league winner for you. So yep. yeah, some. I mean, from a Classic perspective, he he might be okay, um, you know, as a bit of a cheapie or something like that. But it, it's someone who, from a and even from a you know a draft perspective, I'd let him get through those first two weeks, which are the highest re-injury risk. Let him get through those and then reassess after two weeks. Yeah, and I guess with with Sullivan in particular, like the Dragons have the buy first round, so in classic, you're not really considering him probably until week three. No, that's and, right. anyway. So. You might be able to get your first price rise and then consider bringing him in if he's if he gets through unscathed. Yeah, 100%. And for draft, he could be one of your bench spots. You know, he is a, a dual position player. So if it's maybe you, t- you chuck him on your bench with your second last pick or your last pick, something like yeah. that, just for injury cover. Yep, sweet. All right, let's get into the knees. Whew, fuck, there's some boys here with some knee injuries. So Josh, Josh Alloye, uh, MCL, Connor Watson with that patella tendon, Ken Mamalo with those ongoing knee issues that he had last year. We'll cover those guys first before we get into the ACLs. Um, I know you're big on Ken Mamalo, as am I, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
Get, get me excited. Uh, look, Kenny! Mate, anybody who listens to my podcast, which isn't too many, but I'll get a few. Like me and James. Your mum. Yeah, well, mum <laughs> and my brother. Uh, <laughs> like, apart from that and the and the, all the Chinese bots that we pay for. <laughs> but, yes. mate, we talked about Kenny and Mamalo fucking every week last season. Like, that bloke was running around on one leg. I, I, it, it is the most confusing injury situation for me of, like, the last couple of years purely because the Tigers, like – and and openly said they were giving up on 2023 last year because they went, we're not going to rush Adam Dewey back. He didn't come back till like 10 months post. They didn't even get Tommy Talao to go back. He was fit. Mm. And they went, no, we're going to leave him because we're done with this season. Uh, Steph Utokamanu, they held back for ages. So they're holding all these guys back. And the pro Kenny Mamalo is running out there on like one knee week is in, it, week out. He's the pogo stick on the oh, wing. Oh, mate. Like, legitimately, I think he played 19 games and eight of them he didn't even play 80 minutes. And I reckon there was probably another eight where he just, where he should have come off, but just didn't. So, like, Going through all that, obviously, if you're a Kenny Mamalo owner, you're listening to this from last year, and you're just going, Brian, you're crazy. Like, he was horrible. And I'm like, that's exactly why he presents wonderful value mm. for us this year, right? Is that, yeah, this is why you can't let the past kind of, you know, oh, because I owned him, I'm giving up on him. Mm. Because if he has sorted out those knee issues this off-season, like, he has been a really he, he has so much pedigree, doesn't he? Oh, mate, like he, his base stats back when he was playing on the Warriors. Now, granted, he was playing outside my favourite player, Sean Johnson, who was just laying tries on a stick like you wouldn't believe. But <laughs> he still loves a run, like loves a run, loves a tackle bust, few offloads in there. Like Kenny's someone who I'm big on. I think he's probably, once again, classic players probably wouldn't even give him a second look. From a draft perspective, mate, if he's my third centre wing I'm like if I can get him as my fourth center wing, I'm loving life. But oh, like I'm pretty comfortable, provided that he get the only thing against Kenny away from the physical stuff is that the uh, what's his name Staines has gone there. So like mm. you know potentially do they have a Staines um, Nofaluma combo on the wing? I don't know. Surely I mean, they don't go with Cum Staines. Surely yeah. like well, sure. the stalk of Staines going to fullback, yeah. and and I've heard that that's almost confirmed now. Well, that that's like I don't see. I don't think he's a winger. I don't really think he's no. much of a fullback either. But I don't think he's a winger. So yeah, I'm um, Kenny. I love. I'm, I'm mm. all about Kenny as a value. Like you know, like especially as your fourth center. But like if you really, if you're in a deeper league or something like that, I don't mind him as your third. Um, Connor Watson, we really don't know. Once again, one of those off-season ones where the Roosters have given us nothing. He has been mm. in a knee brace uh, that holds his knee straight and in a wheelchair, which pretty much says that it's going to be a significant one, whether it be mm. a partial or a complete tear. So he's going to miss like months of the season, potentially all the season. Uh, Josh Alloyé, I'm not uh, in on to start the season, so there might be a little bit of opportunity for a few of the other forwards there. I think he should be fit to start the season or roundabouts like in those early rounds, but I think he'll just have a softening up period. Right. Um, there's, there's one that got injured um, last week, I think, as well, uh, Jack Bird. I think it's only a minor injury. 
Yeah, but, so um, meniscus. meniscus needs a clean out, so four to six weeks. Yeah, okay. Um, so four to six weeks, so he'll be pushing it for round one. Okay. And there, more for Bird isn't this season, it's coming seasons because right. I mean, he gets it cleaned out. It, it increases his risk, especially with the, that history of ACL, increases his risk of early onset osteoarthritis and those kind of things. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's something that if we're sitting here still talking on this podcast two years from now, I'll probably be like completely off Jack Bird. Like, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, who knows what his knees are like. But for now, I don't think it's major. The other one, actually, which we didn't talk about in the head stuff, we, but we may as well. Joey Manu. Uh, Joey Manu, mm. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the facial um, fracture. Minor facial Fast- fracture. Okay. Now, um, usually they're back in around four weeks. Now, the one thing to consider with Manu is the fact that he's got that history there. So you don't know mm. where that fracture is. He's got plates in his face. So sometimes if the fracture's around that plate, they have to be a little bit more careful with it. So like to be honest with you, I don't think he's 100% uh, to be available for round one, which is a bit... You know, a bit of a hit to any Joey Mano truthers out there. But, yeah, I, I don't think it'll cost him. Like, if it costs him anything, it might be a game or two. But um, I don't think it'll affect him performance-wise. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Anyone listening that um, is a part of any of my leagues, uh, yeah, Joey Mano's a bust. Yep. I wouldn't go near After those, the, that facial fracture, he's done, I think. But um, Let him, but let him slip. For, any, for anyone out there who is in a dynasty league... Um, do not pick up and do not keep Jack Bird, apparently. Oh, God, yeah. I'm actually yeah. going to my first ever Dynasty League. Uh, someone reached out to me the other day. I've been looking for one for a while. In, oh, uh, awesome. Um, so, yeah, might get involved in that because I'm in a few for NFL. And I love it. I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to getting into that this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a keeper league. I've not, I've not done the Dynasty at uh, one of the guys um, in Patreon reached out and gave me a bit of a spiel about what, what it's all about and how his league has, has done it and sounds bloody awesome. Yeah, it's it's probably like I think it is a bit tougher in the NRL landscape because you don't have that draft, so you just don't have that influx of rookies coming in every mm. year. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Like if you fuck up your draft, you're cooked, I think. it Like, you know, in NFL, if you're really – screw your draft you've at least got like rookie drafts you know and really good players coming through yeah it doesn't tend to happen too much in the nrl so it might be a little bit of a challenge but yeah we'll see how we go we'll hear, hear back through the season to see how it's going mm, nice one right, brian let's get into some the big one here the acl so um plenty of guys that are coming back from acls uh, depending on where they uh, injured the, the knee, uh, but we've got Harley Smith Shields, Ray Stone, Pat Herbert, Jason Saab, George Jennings, Mitch Dunn, Helam Lukey, Hayes Dunster, Josh Hodgson, Liam Knight, Billy Smith, Satili Tupanua, Sean Bloor, Adam Dewey, and Toby Talau. So, yeah, it is. And obviously, there's varying degrees of when they, like, I mean, Josh Hodgson, he should be sweet because he, you know, he got injured at the start of last season. But who do you think um, we should be talking about here with these ACL returns? Yeah, I'll go through um, and do a quick hit on each, really. So Harley Smith-Shields, he suffered his pretty early last season, so I think he should be pretty right going into this year. He's an outside back, so it's probably going to take him a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's in line to start for no. the Raiders, so not much there. Uh, Ray Stone, beautiful Dolphins man, you know, probably the most manly man on the planet, the yeah. most testosterone, I think I saw someone's te- Danny Kemp was saying or something like that. So lo- love Ray. Uh, 
look, he'll be back for round one, but I, I still expect he, his role to more be off the bench and sort of easing back in. It's the most heartbreaking injury, scoring oh, the match, yeah. match winning try. And, oh, oh. Yeah. But um, oh. Paddy Herbert, Jason Saab, they'll be mid-season prospects. Herbert mm. might be a little bit later season. Saab, look, like those kind of guys are going to be affected by ACL returns because, you know, change of direction, all that mm. kind of stuff. But look, Saab's value for me, like he he's not a known runner. It, it's straight line stuff for Saab, right? It's mm. being on the end of a Tommy, Tommy Turbo backline is his main value. So I, I don't think he's the worst. Like if Turbo's firing in the middle of the season, and I don't think anyone's going to draft Saab because he won't be back till around that round 10-ish kind of range. But if you see Turbo start to fire and it gets to round seven or eight, and you're like, oh, man, Saab could come back. Oh, he's coming back off an ACL. I wouldn't even really care because I'm like, all he has to do is fall over the line, right, or run in a straight line. And he's going to be able to run in a straight line. Um, it's just his change of direction might suffer a little bit. And now we're starting to kick the ball forward and he was just getting on the end of it. That's exactly um, They were just using his speed. So his, his agility isn't, isn't really a factor. That's right. Uh, George Jennings, yeah, I think he'll be a little bit dusty. Um, he did suffer his early, so he's had a longer time, but he's not someone. Uh, look, I, I value George Jennings as the a bit like Saab. He's a winger on the Melbourne Storm. That it could be mm. anyone, and I'd, I'd I'd think they're okay, right? Because they're on a good team on the wing. Uh, Mitch Dunn and Lukey. I don't think Lukey will be back round one. I think it'll more be like that round three to four kind of range. And he he is a player who relies a lot on that like lanky, you know, change of direction, like hitting holes on the edge and those kind of things. So mm, I'd late footwork from, sort of stuff. Yeah, so I'd need to see it from him first. I'm not huge on him. I love him as a player. I'm just not huge on him from a fanny uh, super coach perspective. Mitch Dunn should be right. It'll be over 12 months for him, and he's probably going to be coming off the bench, I would assume, anyway. Dunstar, yeah, look, his was pretty significant. I heard he's looking good at training, actually. Someone sent me a message the other day and said he scored a good try sort of going through contact in training and stuff like that. So it sounds like he's he's doing pretty well. Uh, but, yeah, coming off a significant multi-ligament injury, I'd still be a little bit iffy on thinking he's going to be great. A bit like the other guys, I just kind of value him as an eels winger, right? Like if he's yeah. on eels, yep, okay, he's not a horrible option. Uh, Hodgson, I'm in on. I think he'll be fine. The big, big thing for Hodg- Hodgson is that so he suffered three ACL injuries now. I think it's over 30% of NRL players have suffered three, going to suffer four. So that's a pretty significant uh, injury risk, and most of them happen in the first 18 months after a return. So I think Hodgson gives you wonderful value because I don't think his game is very rel- uh, uh, sorry reliant on ACL movements. Like we don't know Hodgson as like a you know like someone who busts through the line and you know steps and you know does mm. all that kind of stuff. He's more a creator. He's wily that kind of stuff. So I think he's still going to be good. He returned from his last ACL and and averaged like seventy or sixty or seventy or something like that. Like he was killing it straight off the bat. So. I think behind a good eels pack, he'll be fine. It's just more his injury risk. Liam Knight, pretty irrelevant. I don't think he might get a bench spot for the Rabbits, maybe, but I don't even know. He might be touch and go to start the year. Billy Smith, completely off. He's young. He suffered three ACLs. You know, don't touch him. Tupanua is an interesting one. I think he'll be back sort of mid-season, and even when he's back, they'd be crazy not to ease him back from the bench, even New South Wales Cup potentially. So I think someone like Nat Butcher Mm. is 
yeah, really, really solid uh, for that first, you know, first half of the season. I really, really like him on the edge um, for for the Roosters. So I'm targeting Butcher in in quite a few drafts. Uh, Sean Bloor, yeah, once again, there's been a lot of recruits there. So whether he gets the minutes, I think um, it's been 12 months, over 12 months since his ACL. He would have had much of a, you know, an off-season sort of build his performance. So I think it's more down to his... Uh, more down to where he fits in that team. Dewey we'll talk about later, um, so I'll leave that because I've got lots to say about Dewey. And Tommy Talau, once again, they've left it like 18 months. Tommy Talau, actually, from a physio perspective, it's pro- like it's going to be interesting for you guys as well. But from my perspective, um, Tommy Talau is like the most interesting player for me this season because we have not seen a player of his like talent level be left like, what is a f- nearly two seasons to return? Like most of the time when a player's fit, guys will just bring him back. Whereas mm. the Tigers go, nah, we're going to give you an extra like eight months, you know, not only the back end of the season, but the off season. And we're going to like let you get right for next season. So it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like his second season back from an ACL because he was theoretically fit yeah. at the end of last season. So, it's I don't know if there's any NBA followers out there. Um, Kevin Durant he suffered an Achilles injury and pretty much sat out two seasons and then came back and was one of the best Achilles returns we've ever seen in sport. So I just wonder. I'm going to be really interested to see how Talao goes. I'm actually quite optimistic on him being a value. Yeah, nice. Okay, that's interesting. Now you just mentioned sort of like that second season back from an ACL and obviously that's that magic uh, area as well. Like the guys coming back. First season after an ACL injury, usually a little bit dusty, takes them a while to catch their feet, confidence, that whole thing. But then obviously that second year back from that injury is when they start hitting their straps again. Any guys that you want to touch on that are gonna that are in that category of like the second season back? Yeah, I think we'll talk about Dewey, as I said. Uh, the other one that stands out to me is probably Mike Acevo. I think, um, look, he was pretty good coming back last year and probably an example. Sevo is probably a really good example of what I was talking about with those other guys, like left winger for the Eels. Like yeah. he was still pretty solid last season because he was playing left wing for the Eels. But I just think he can probably go to another level with his like tackle busting, you know, line breaks through contact, those kind of things, even tries just creating him himself rather than relying on the other guys. So yeah, I think Sevo could could be a little bit of a bounce back and he's someone who I'd see as a bit of a value pick. Mm. Love that, love that. All right, let's get into the lower leg. So a couple of guys here that uh, I'm big on is Christian Welch with his Achilles, Jaden Braley, second season back after his Achilles injury, and then the hammer, which he, he definitely had a syndesmosis. <laughs> he did. <laughs> uh, look, we'll start with the infamous hammer. I'm not concerned. Um, guys come back from syndesmosis injuries really, really well. So, uh, and he's had heaps of time, like it'll be three months. And a lot of the time guys can come back from syndesmosis in like six weeks. Um, So yeah, treat him as normal. Oh, probably actually the one thing I will mention about Hammer is he did suffer a PCL rupture last year. PCLs are one of those injuries that I do kind of look at from a little bit of a concerned notion in terms of like agility, um, because guys can play, like you talk about a rupture, like if you rupture your ACL, guys are getting surgery, right? You rupture your PCL, guys just play, often just play out the rest of their career 
without a PCL in that leg. Mm. Uh, um, so you guys like Billy Slater, the Morrises, uh, GI, you know, all these kind of guys have suffered PCL injuries and just kind of played on. But it does definitely affect their performance. So he didn't really get much opportunity after he suffered that PCL injury last year because Scotty Drinkwater came in and just said, thank you very much. But I am a little bit concerned. The syndesmosis injury, not really. But the PCL, I'm like, is he going to have the same? Like straight line should be fine. But it's more that direction change in through traffic, that kind of thing. Which, not, which you want from your fullback. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, like I listened to uh, Guru and uh, Timmy Williams the other day talk through their classic like center wings. And they were a bit off hammer understandably because uh, from a classic perspective, even though he's cheap because he's playing for the Dolphins and I, you know, obviously even being a Dolphins fan, I think that's completely reasonable. But I even think from an injury perspective, there's at least a little bit of doubt there through that PCL to sort of be like, look, I'd, uh, even from a draft perspective, he's someone who I just want to chill out and sort of see how he goes. Uh, Welsh, Welsh and Braley, like I'm pretty in on, I think Welsh, he was another one who was touch and go to sort of come back late last season, but they played it safe and said, no, let's leave him through to next year. So he's had a good off season to kind of build that performance. His game probably not as majorly dependent on an Achilles. He will need it for like leg drive and stuff like that through contact. So potentially his post-contact meters might suffer a little bit. So you might get maybe a few less kind of of those eight plus meter runs, but other than that, like, you know, his tackling, his ability to play big minutes, his offloading, that kind of stuff won't really be affected by this Achilles. Um, I had a really good example. I think it was Josh Maguire was the last kind of big middle forward to suffer a, an Achilles injury um, in similar circumstances. And he averaged exactly the same both before, during and after in terms of the three seasons mm-hmm. um, across an Achilles. So it doesn't really seem to affect them all that much. Jaden Braley, I'm big on. I think he – I didn't include him later. So I'll talk – oh, no, I did include him later uh, in terms of one of my, you know, the most injury value. Like I think coming back, like he just looked really good. He had mm. a couple of games where, and I, you know, I, God, if I said it once, I said it 50 times last year, stashed Jaden Braley for the back end of the season. I literally stashed him in five of my six le- leagues last year and just loved it because he came back and averaged 70 over the last like four to six rounds or something like that. And I was just, you know, cash in the bank. It was great. So, yeah, I think um, in a hopefully a bit of an improved night side but also from that you know second season back from the Achilles I think he's a he's a good one yeah we're, we're both pretty big on those guys I love the white rhino as a late value play in the front row forward I think he's going to have more responsibility out there with the storm boys um some of those leaders leaving the the team I think he's going to have to take more responsibility in the pack he'll probably be the big alpha dick there and and need to lead from the front and then Jaden Bradley which is so impressive coming back from that injury i mean i think he had a couple maybe two low games and then went bang 60 plus every game for the rest of the season so yeah he's yeah. big big on my list uh, i think yeah if he's if you can increase his, his output just that little bit he's also 80, 80 minute hooker I was going to say, he's one of the only hookers. James talked about it on the uh, Magic Sponge Pod last week. Like, I think with, like, how Hunt, um, like, you know, Hunt and uh, Grant were used in Origin, and we're seeing just a lot more sort of of those dual hookers. Like, you know, there was, Mm. I think Tommy Sangster was on um, Guru's Pod the other day saying, 
um, or was it Guru? No, I think it was Timmy's um, pod saying that, you know, even at Penrith, Mitch Kenny apparently is looking to pay, play like the first 20 to 25 and then Sonny Luke Sonny come Luke, on. Yeah. Mm. Just something like that. So there's a lot of that, you know, kind of using Hooker as like one to dull the, you know, dull the, um, you know, the attack in that first little bit and then have the explosive guy come on. There's a lot more of that going around. So I think when you've got an 80-minute, like a guaranteed, no one is going to take minutes off Jaden Braley. Like, you know, it, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think he's he's really, really solid. Yeah, it's happening more and more. Isn't it? Even the New South Wales side, like, you know, looking at how the Queenslanders did it with Grant and, and Hunt, and then all of a sudden, you know, Cookie uh, wasn't given the 80 minutes and they brought Appy on to, to sort of combat and, and use the same sort of technique that the Maroons were using. So, yeah, it's happening more and more, and that 80-minute hooker is a dying breed. Yeah, well, I think you boys, I'm, I'm sure this came from you, but I think you you sort of said in your post um, on Insta just saying, like, you know, unless you get a Harry Grant, you know, probably it's not something that you need to stress about all that much because a lot of them, you know, are much of a muchness. So I think Jaden Braley is probably one of the exceptions to that rule is that I would I would reach around or two from where he's listed on the, you know, on the chart to, to grab him because I think he could be a bit of a difference maker at that hooker position. Uh, um, I think he's well worth a reach around. Oh, looks big on him. <laughs> we, we've, we've locked horns. We, we, he's on, he's on, um, I like Blake. Uh, Braid, Blake Braley. I'm on Jaden. I'm big on Blake this season. Blake's going to be on my side. Don't worry about that. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. The Braley battle. I, I hope, I literally hope we both the battle, those battle royale. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right. <sighs> Are you ready? Let's start oh, talking. Man. Let's start talking about these fucking big dogs. Ryan Pabinhausen, Tommy Turbo, Latrell, and Ponga. Where do you want to fucking start? <laughs> All right. Just let me stretch up here. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, always remember to limber up. Everyone that's everyone that's driving to work has just pulled over. They've pulled over. <laughs> they want to they want to focus on this. <laughs> oh, nice. So uh, I'll try not to get a thousand words out of each of them because um, I went close in the injury profiles. Look, uh, the one we'll start off with is Pappenhausen. Um, so look, as the off season's worn on, it's just gotten worse and worse for him. Um, I think. To start with, you know, even like I sort of said, the usual range, which it is, is three to six months. Melbourne, I think the CEO was on radio not long after Pappy had surgery saying they were thinking three months, um, which is kind of best case. And, and his wasn't best case, you know, scenario. It was, it was a like a significant, sp- yeah. split into like seven pieces. That's right. So his was pretty significant. So it's not like the biggest thing I'll start off by saying is like, you know, all these people are like, oh, he's going to need to retire and all that kind of stuff because it's taking this long. Like with something that significant is not out of the realms of like, you know, it'd be different if uh, Jaden Sullivan, who suffered a hamstring strain, you know, the other week was still out six months later. I'd be like, what the hell? Like, how, Like this guy is in big trouble here. Like, what has happened? Whereas this, like, you know, it is common for injuries this significant to take time to come back from mm-hmm. um, and extra time and have setbacks during rehab and stuff like that. So it's not a retirement thing. He's not, you know, he's not never going to come back. He's not undraftable, that kind of thing. But I guess the thing is, from my perspective, like I think when he initially suffered it last year, I went, oh, man, I'm going to get so much value out of Pappy, drafting him, 
you know, fourth, fifth, sixth next year. Um, I'm going to love it. Now I'm like, oh, I'm going to get value out of maybe drafting him in the late second, early third at best. Mm. Um, purely because, like, I, like, boys, I like to come on here, sound smart, and, you know, tell you when I think a player is going to come back. And more often than not, I'm relatively accurate in that. What I'm telling you with Pappy is I think best case you might see him, and this is very best case, like round four to six kind of range, but it is absolutely just as possible that it's like round 20 to 24. Like you just – with that this, late? Oh, 100%. Because oh. you, well, you look at it now, right? Like he is six months in and he's not started running. And I, I guess was, you, you, you saw last season when he did come back from his injury, he was eased back in as well. 100%. Off the bench, so – it's, like it's you're, not, you're not getting a full output from him for. Uh, so oh, well, the one thing I will say to that, and and I like I agree, but I think with the significance of this injury, the one benefit that you do get is they are not going to return him until he's really really good. Mm, true. I don't think they're going to throw him back out there at like 85 percent and be like, yeah, let's just ease you in via some NRL action. I think they are going to, and that's why I'm like it is unpredictable, is because I think with the severity of it, with how slow the rehab has been, I think the good thing, the silver lining, is when he is back, he is going to be back. He is going to be mm. good. Um, but that's the thing is, like, he could get he could get to 85% of the way through the rehab and be like, right, now I need to, you know, start doing change of direction and integrating into team training and stuff like that. I'm completely pain-free. I'm all good. He starts to do direction change. He starts to do team training stuff, and all of a sudden his knee gets sore again. So he goes, right, I've got to back back, you know, mm. go back three or four weeks, build back up again, you know, those kind of things. So it's just, yeah, it's so unpredictable. He's someone who the way I've put it in the profiles is from a draft perspective because classic, you're just not considering him, right? Like it's not even a, a determination. But for us mm. drafters, we have to know, like, where am I going to draft him? Now, my strategy with him, and I think there's a lot of people like myself who think they're really, really good at draft because I think I'm pretty good at draft. And so the way that I would, I am approaching it is I'm still drafting him in round, like late round two, probably early round three on the fact that I back myself with the depth of fullback to get mm. a late round, like, solid guy to get me through the four to 20 weeks that Packing's out for, I'm still backing myself to make the finals, right? Like, yep. in, a, in a majority of my leagues, I'm hoping to make the finals. So I want Pappy for the finals because I think I think it would have to be catastrophic for him to not be there for like round 20 to 25, like something really bad. That would be very surprising. So I'm still like the way I'm approaching it is I want him for finals to win me a comp. Mm. Mm. And the, the ideal scenario would be pairing him with uh, um, with a jewel that you can then use once Pappy comes back as well. So yeah. someone someone like your meanies or someone like that. I mean, the problem is everyone's everyone's talking talking up meanie, so his value is skyrocketing. 
Um, and yeah, you're probably not going to be in a position where you'd be able to handcuff those yeah, two. But. That's right. But I like, I wouldn't mind. Like, the biggest thing is, mate, is like in those first couple of rounds, like, you know, you, you've got your guys all locked and loaded, but guys get injured every year, right? So, like, the thing is, if you can draft Pappy in round, you know, early round three or late round two, if he falls that far, um, and then you can get Meany in like round five, I know that I've got the Melbourne fullback for the entire yeah. year. You know, like I'm not that that because, like, mate, by round five, like I picked Josh Schuster in round five last year. How did that fucking turn out for me? Yeah, like it's just like, like Matty. Yeah, yeah I like, picked him round three. So this this is what I mean, right? So like, once you get into those times, like you're talking about guys who could be, you know, shit house anyway. Whereas I'm like, if I draft Nick Meany, I know he's going to be fullback for the Storm, and I know he's going to mm. be goals when Pappenhausen is there. So this is the thing: is that I think in isolation. Like Pappy is like a round oh, five ish pick, maybe like yeah, you know, yeah. in that range with the uncertainty. And look, you could that could be the that could be the pick of the year, right? It could be, but it also could be the worst pick of the year, right? Like yeah. this this is why I'm saying this is because like this isn't a situation where I can sit there at the end of the season and go, I totally nailed that. I was right on Pappenhausen, but it's also not a situation where people can come at me and go, you were totally wrong on Pappenhausen because it's just super unpredictable. It could go either way. We really don't know. So it just really, I think where he falls is how confident you are in your ability to draft around the uncertainty. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's pretty accurate where we've got Pappy at the moment. We've got him pick 20, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we've got him about pick 20 at the moment. Um, look, things could change, but, yeah, I, I think around that turn of pick two to three. And the thing yeah, is, just- if we're talking about anyone else, it'd be a different story, but you're talking about a guy that ended up averaging 90, and I think it was like 46% of his games were over 100 points. You know, like you're talking about a guy, like you said, Brian, that if he comes back and he's available in your Supercoach finals with the Storm's strength of schedule in the finals, which is fucking sexy as hell, he could honestly win you a comp on his own. Yeah. That's that's how important it is. Like, like, I'll put it this way, is that, like, I'm that strong on, like, Pappy being, like, I'm like, if he's available for finals, how good. Like, similar sort of thing the other direction. Like, that's why I'm, like, so off Latrell because I'm, like, depending on your league settings. Like, you talk about Pappy potentially not being available for finals. I'm, like, it's possible that Latrell is definitely not yeah. available for the final. Yeah. Mm. So, that's why I'm, like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care that he's available all the other times. I'm, like, if I don't have him for the grand final, I, like, he just loses so much value to yeah, me. I, so I don't give a shit. And this is, like the thing, my argument about, you know, classic, like I finished 60th in classic last year or 63rd, I think, or something like that. And like, you know, <clears> humble brag. and I carry on about it, right? Like I did. <laughs> who gives a shit? Like who, who cares if you come six, you want to come first, right? I don't, I don't care what anyone says. And that's why I love draft so much is because I don't want to, like, I don't want to come third. I don't want to come fifth. I want to come first. And mm, I, I don't yeah. care if I come second or I come eighth. Yeah. That, yeah, it's Nothing. a it's it's a loss. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. I As don't, Ricky Bobby once said, "If you ain't first, you last." In, in fantasy, exactly. mate, like I, I just want to win. Like I, like I don't care about all the other stuff. That's just my approach. You might be someone who really likes making the finals every year or scoring the most points in your league or something like that, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you just want to win. You want to win the grand final, and and so I'm drafting around 
like uh, pretty probably more heavily than a lot of people, but it sounds like I'm on a similar boat to you guys. I'm drafting for the finals. Hundred percent, hundred percent. If you if you back yourself to make the finals, then you need to draft for the finals. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so that's Pappy. I think pretty covered. Um, Tommy Turbo, mate. I mean, we talk about him every year, and you guys know how I feel about Turbo. I love him. I think he's um, yeah. Like I think we all love him, and, and we know mm. why we love him. But uh, this year, yeah, the re-injury risk is higher um, than previously. He because going into last year, I mean, he had a rough trot with a few contact injuries, but uh, like his hamstring injury risk was quite low last year because he hadn't suffered one in a while. And going into this year, I mean, it was uh, like, I think it was almost two years since he suffered a hamstring injury. So he was looking pretty good, but yeah, this latest one is a bit of a hit. Um, Is it the same hammy? Yeah. Well, it's, so his first three were the left and his next two were the right. Okay. The one thing about Turbo and why he presents value to me is because everybody kind of throws all of his injuries in the same injury-prone basket. Yep. So they kind of say, you know, oh, well, you know, he had a knee, a contact knee injury and a, a contact, you know, shoulder injury and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, like, I keep calling it. I've said it about a million times now. They're just footy injuries, right? Like mm. these contact injuries, there would have been 30 shoulder reconstructions, if not more, in the NRL last season. They happen all the time. They're just a footy injury. Like, Turbo isn't more, because he's had hamstring injuries, he's not more susceptible to a bloody shoulder reconstruction. Like, that's just ridiculous. So you've got a lot of people who just put him in. Like, the people who aren't picking him classic have rocks in their head. (laughs) They're like, oh, he's so injury prone and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, mate, he's like $500,000. It's like a 60 average or something. Like, Jesus Christ. He's priced at the same average as Lockie Miller. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Come on. Because especially in classic, mate, like if he goes out and suffers a hamstring injury, which is our greatest concern, it costs you one trade to get rid of him. Right. Whereas if he goes out and starts lighting it up and you freak out and you're like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I, you know, pick Tommy Turbo? Then you've got to spend a trade to get him in. And then if he injures himself, you've got to spend it to get him out. So I just think he's a lot from a draft perspective. Uh, like I'm really on edge of him versus Teddy at three. I, um, I, I think. There's uh, quite a, you know, there's an increased injury risk, like above 10% for those first two weeks. Uh, the good thing is, is that they play round one and then he gets a bye, which actually probably works in his favor a little bit, you know, has the game to kind of get his feet back again and then have a week off and then get into it again. So he is, look, when he's out there, I'm expecting normal performance. He is an increased risk of injury. But I said it once, I, I say it almost every season, there's still an injury discount here because if he was fully fit and healthy, if he hadn't suffered that hamstring injury, we would I'd be talking about him being on a knife's edge with Cleary for pick mm, one. Yeah. Like, and so the discount is he drops down a little bit into, you know, like I've got him at pick four at the moment for, you know, I had him at pick four to five but with Munster. Um, but now I'm like, you know, potentially up around that three. And that's mainly like I I don't really like pick three all that much purely because all those guys there kind of have a little bit of doubt over them for me because Teddy I had locked in at pick three, but the more research I did on them, the more I didn't like it. Do you know what the average draft pick is for Turbo this season so far? Yeah, hit me. 32. (laughs) Now, now, I think that's I think that's because there's been a lot of like bot drafts. Um, 
yeah. like mock mock bot drafts. So yeah, yeah. It, it throws it out a bit, but fuck. Like, uh, well, look, could you imagine getting him at pick thirty-two? Like your mental, like you. Well, I think you boys got him in the um, experts league or dud league or whatever we want to call it. Um, like early second last year, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, we were stoked with that. Yeah, and like I think if he's like, far out, like I, I, if I'm late round one, I'm not letting him get past the turn. You know, um, personally, we've, we've got him at pick three. We put him at pick three early on in the season. We haven't moved him. Yeah, no, I, I just think I, like once again, even with the shit with this heavy, I'm, dra- yeah. I'm drafting yeah. a win, right? Like I'm drafting a win. Like, Another I, guy I, that can win you comps. Yeah, that, that, single-handedly. I, I, I kind of put it down to guys like that. Like you know, if he was some plotter who, you know, was going to give – like, if you put his exact injury history on some guy who was whose ceiling was like a 60 average, I'd probably be completely off him because mm. I'd be like, well, you know, like, what's a – like, you can get a 60 average out of anyone. But, you, like, this guy's ceiling is, like, unlimited. Like, you know, it could yeah. be over 100. So I'm just like, yeah, I for someone like that, I'm still taking the risk. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, we he, haven't he, even thought about moving him. It's three. We've moved Munster up to four and then Teddy back to five, but, yeah, we haven't yeah. touched Tommy. He could quite easily average over 110 and we wouldn't bat an eye because we know that that's what he's got in him. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, so I like uh, I like Tommy probably higher than consensus or bot consensus by the sense of things. Yeah. <laughs> Latrell, I think no real injury concerns there. He's over, like, you know, like he's a fair way past now. Um, so I don't think from an injury perspective, I think the biggest thing is you just got to look at your league settings and see when your finals are. To yeah, see. he's only relevant really if your grand finals round 25. Yeah, if, you, if your grand final is around 26, or to be honest with you, like I don't think there'll be many that are around 27, but if you yeah, if your grand final is around 26, he's, un, he's undraftable for yep, me. I agree. Yeah. Yep. And what was last time? Ponga. Oh, my boy. Here we uh, go. Oh, this, this, this is where you roll your sleeves up. So, boys, there's a lot of carry on about, you know, in moving position and bloody bloody He's bulked up. He's been in the gym. This kind of stuff. Look, like the way I've put it is he could play any position, any position on the field, right? Like he could play 13, he could play centers, he could play whatever. His injury risk does not change because it's so significant what happened to him last year. Like I think the the calf injury is kind of, you know, thrown in a little bit of like distraction almost, but three concussions in six weeks, you know, even in the absence of, you know, major symptoms which by all accounts there wasn't but three issues like or or blows hard enough to cause a concussion in six weeks is just not ideal for the brain Mm. um and and i think once again we start getting into the unknowns with this kind of thing is you just and we'll we'll i guess skip forward to you're going to ask me in a second who's the biggest trap duty injury pong is my number one purely because once again that uncertainty i'm just like he could play anywhere on the field, and he suffered. He suffered three. He suffered three in six weeks. He's had five over his career. It's just too much uncertainty for me. I just, if he has another knock, which he's at least three to four times at an increased risk of doing so, he's then another at least four to five times more likely to require multi-week recovery than anybody else who suffers a concussion because of his history. So it's just, yeah, it's just too much. 
for me. There's too much. I, like I might take him. I don't know where he's going, but maybe I, I, I can't even remember. I think I put him like round three in the mid round threes in the profiles. But the more, once again, the more I reflect on it, the just the further and further I'm going sort of down the list with him. Yeah. I'm going to put my hand up. Like I had him in our top 30 um, when we first put it out at the start of the preseason. And after listening to your first, first potty last week or the week before, um, like we've we've slid him well out of the thirties, um, so yeah. I, I think it's just too 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 much to ignore. Like he, if he gets a couple of knocks early on in the season, he could be sitting down for over ten weeks. And I just couldn't I couldn't believe boys. Like I did uh, like uh, the root of, you know to lift the curtain, let you behind the curtain of NRL physio. But I was doing the injury profile on him, and I just did a Twitter search of like. Ponga, Kalen Ponga, HIA, just to see if I'd missed any or anything like that. And like the number of times I actually went back and got video of every single HIA that he's had, which is like 12 in his career, which is, you know, a lot. Love the deep dive. Yeah, which is good. But then like the number of times like people, someone would be blowing up being like, I can't believe Ponga isn't going off for a HIA. So Mm, I'd go back. I remember that. Yes. So about three could be more. And like that, mate. Like as I said, I'm not insinuating anything untoward from the Knights by any means. But like, there were so many times where this guy got absolutely lit up, like like just absolutely flattened, was lying down on the ground, and either went and had a HIA and passed, or like just didn't need a HIA at all. And I'm like, the more that comes out about, um, like you know these these bad long term effects and these guys retiring early is it's not about the number of concussions. It's not sitting there and going, oh, well, you've had nine concussions, so you're gone. It's accumulation of trauma to the brain over time. And that can come from, like, you know, the NRL and the NRLPA are talking about, and I think they did limit it. They restricted contact training pre-Christmas. So they're just trying to find ways to limit, you know, that overall load on the brain. But I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what Ponga's is like over his very short career, but... Yeah, it just gives me too much heebie-jeebies. Like I, I just there's too much uncertainty. I'm I'm not about him. Yeah, it's a decision you want someone else to make in your league, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, like the one thing I will say is this isn't a performance thing, right? Like when he's out there, I think he's absolutely going to outperform his average because I think he's priced at like a fifty point average or something. He's going to score better than that when he's out there. But the problem is, is that I just don't know how many games he's going to play this season. I I couldn't even close to accurately tell, like, you know, try and predict that. And the thing is with Ponga is the reason he keeps getting knocked out is the way that he plays. He plays well above his weight. He has no regard for his own. Every single time. I went and had a look at every HIA because like people like, Oh, you know, it's because he takes the ball back. Um, from from fullback, you know, that's when he gets all these concussions is he gets leveled there. And, mate, I'd look, like I'd say it would have been a half a dozen of those 12 HIAs were just him taking the ball to the line. Yeah. And because he's Kalen Ponga and he's like, you know, Newcastle star guy, guys are targeting him, right? Like they yeah. want to smash him if he takes the ball to the line. And that's when he gets them. So when he's, and that's not going to stop when he's playing six. It's like he's getting- more often, yeah. And you think yeah. defences are going to be like, oh, you know what? He has had a few concussions in the last couple <laughs> yeah. of years. Let's lay off him. Let's give him some space. Let him throw that beautiful cutout ball. That he- No, they're going to fucking jam him. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now the more that we talk about Ponga, the more, like you said, Booker, it's going to be somebody else's problem. Absolutely. All right, well, whew, Jesus, lots to Probably think about there. On each, of them, each of them didn't like it anyway. <laughs> I please, love please it. Why the injury profiles don't just listen to this podcast. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's get into the happy ending. You want happy ending? I got a Let me break it down for you so you understand. I'll hold your hand like a small child. Oh, oh my God, fuck yeah. Because we've been just rubbing all the body parts so far, the head, the, the neck, you've got the elbow into the, the back, the ribs. Oh, shit, let's flip you over. And, and, and the thing is, we barely even touched the surface. That's Yeah, yeah plenty, plenty more to get into. Um, yeah, so all in all, let's wrap this up, Brian. So who do you think presents the most injury value on your draft day? All right, boys. Time for the big boy calls. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. I like having a stab. Uh, My buy, my injury buy of the year, or my, you know, my injury draft of the year is my man, Adam Dewey. I am very high on Dewey this year, purely because, and like I'll talk, like I, you know, do my research, boys, and I went to your Instagram page this afternoon to sort of see where you guys had him valued and stuff like that. So, Looking at him, I think he's fourth in your five eights, and like someone like uh, Burton and Dylan Brown above him. Now, Dylan Brown, I had a look, averaged 74 last year. Dewey in 2021 in his injury free games, he averaged over 80. Um, that was prior to his ACL. And then last year in the last half, half dozen games, so obviously coming back, he was a little bit, but then the last like six or seven games, he averaged 72. So that's a guy coming back from an ACL injury, playing in a dog shit Tigers side, and he averaged 72. And that's two points yeah. less than Dylan Brown averaged last year in a career year. Like, you know, Dylan Brown absolutely killed it last year. And I'm like, Dylan Brown's getting drafted very high. Give me Dewey every day of the week over Dylan Brown because, I like, I think Dewey's got an 80-plus average in him, like an mm. upside, right? I've got Dewey with the way that it's all sh- shaken out. I would not be against taking him late round one, early round two. That's right. <laughs> Wow! Big, big on him. Second, well, you heard it here first. Wow! Yeah. Move him up, Walt. Do it yeah. now. I mean, as we speak, he's going up. <laughs> click, I'm doing click. my pre-draft list first, and then I'm, I heard a couple of clicks I'm, I'm, there. Wooks, Wooks, working. Definitely updating there. as we're talking. Don't worry <laughs> like, about that. Like, but that's like that's not just like even if you just looked at the pure numbers. Like, take out the fact that he's coming back. You know, second season back from an from an ACL take out that the Tigers should be better this year with their improved recruits and stuff like that. Just looking at those numbers, like he averaged over 80. I think he had a game where he had a HIA and he scored nine in a game in 2021. And then he had his ACL game where he scored about 30. If you take those both out, he averaged over 80 in that entire year. Like, yeah, I think I think last year, so he played two games off the bench, but in 80-minute games for the remainder of 2022, he averaged 67. Like, you know, it, it like that kind of thing for me, that's coming off an ACL. Yeah. Like that's like coming back off an ACL. For me, I'm just like, I, I just think he's being slept. I think everyone, like everyone's smashing him in their, in their um, classic leagues. Like, you know, they're all over him, which is fair enough. Mm. But I just don't think, like, I just think he's a locked and loaded. Like I've got him, like there are other good options. Like I like Burton. Um, but I'm always hesitant, like, you know, that old rule of, you know, drafting guys off a career year, and that's mm. why I'm iffy on um, on Dylan Brown a little bit as well. 
But uh, yeah, overall for me, um, Dewey, all about it. Oh, I do like that. I yeah, we were big on him when we were talking when we started crunching the numbers and how he's coming back from that ACL. Mm. Like, yeah. and then of course, like you said, like this Tigers team is just going to be a more potent attacking team, and he'll have his fingerprints all over it. Oh, 100 percent. And then the like, I like in saying that I like Burton as well. I think I'll I'll direct people to the injury profiles as to why I like Burton, but I do like Burton as well. I've actually got them at two and three. I've I've dropped Dylan Brown down. Um, just, yeah, like that's it. where I'm at with him. Um, with Brayley, we've talked about. I like Brayley. Tapane, we've also talked about. I think he's a good value for that top end. Uh, Mamalo, we've talked about. Uh, I like Kenny. Big on him. The two that we haven't talked about who I had in this list, Room Cotter. Uh, like huge room Cotter, like mm. he like he was coming off a Liz Frank injury to start the season last year. He started a bit slow, then he went on a beast run where he averaged huge. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but he averaged significantly higher than he's priced at now. Then he suffered um, a hamstring tendon injury, which tendons they take a little bit longer to heal. It's not a surprise they eased him back, and then he averaged pretty. Like, you know, I think it was about 10 points less coming back from that hamstring injury. So you've got that bit at the start where he's warming into it and then post-hamstring injury, which brought his average down to about a 59. Like, I think 65 is like his base. And, and it's only going to improve for him. Um, You could make the argument, which I just made, you know, guy coming off a career year. But I think this guy is just, you know, it look, he it, it can only go to bigger and better things with workload-wise. I think it's just going to go up and up for him. So big, big Ruben Cotter drafter this year. And then my other sneaky one, which is probably going to get a few giggles from some people, but Bradman Best. Oh, looks going to Oh, like I'm, already, I'm already on him. Yeah, so purely, look, I don't know about the numbers, but from an injury perspective, I think got, like he's just basement at the moment with most people, right? Like everyone just thinks he's dirt because of all the injuries that he suffered but most the injuries once again i use the term probably overuse the term most of them are just footy injuries like he dislocated his elbow last year i think he broke his thumb at one point like these kind of things like he doesn't have biscuit bones as much as you know people on twitter would like you to believe that <laughs> so like i don't necessarily think that bradman best is going to go out there and be a top five center wing anytime soon but I think you can draft him. I don't know where he's being drafted, but I'm sure you could draft him relatively late. And I think you could get re- like quite a good return off that if he it, like if he can stay injury free. And he's not someone who I look at his injury history and go, "There's a real pattern there." What do you think, Wook? Got movement? Yeah, mate. I I, I was already I was already thinking with like um, full preseason, no injuries. You put a weapon. The weapon, the beast Marzu outside of him. And then oh, Ponga on his inside. And then Ponga on his inside if he's fit. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, there, there's movement. And I will say, and I said it to you guys off, off air too, but I've, you know, rattled off eight or nine names there. I reckon I've got probably 30 or 40 names that I could rattle off, um, and they're all in the injury profiles, but there's heaps of value there from an injury perspective, I think, this year, especially for drafters. Um, so I'm feeling good going into this season. I'm feeling real good. Fucking unstoppable. All right. Well, on the other side of the coin, give us your biggest traps due to injury. Yeah. I, I, once again, I said to you boys coming into this, I, I didn't find a whole lot of too many. I think Ponga, obvious one, Collins, who we've talked about, Lindsay Collins. I think he's a bit of a trap purely off 
like they're still going to return okay. It's more their injury risk. So less about performance and more about injury risk for those guys. Uh, Warrior Hargraves, I think I just wouldn't even touch. Um, he's he's just today been ruled out with a back slash hamstring complaint. He's dealt with that ongoing for like the last two years, and it's just not going anywhere. He's just old, the big fella, isn't he? Uh, and I actually think it. Uh, once again, I'll talk about some value in the in the trap section, but I think Matt Lodge is a sneaky value. Um, you know, like with Warrior Hargraves, like not looking the best and then Takayaho's left I just think there's yeah there's a bit of value mm. there for Matt Lodge um, I think Pappy is a bit of a trap if people are still taking him like you know in the first round like I think I just think yeah that's too high to take him with the guys you can take there and then someone who uh, this is the one thing we're going to disagree on I think because I saw you guys had him as a value pick in the uh in the halfback spot but Luke Brooks I'm not about uh I was okay with him until I heard that he had been training in the rehab group because he suffered another calf injury in the oh, offseason. Fuck, well, I didn't know the this, the did I? Yeah, so I only heard that yesterday, so I think um, I'm going to be fair to you and say I'm sure if you'd heard that, you probably would have been the same. But I, I was okay with him prior to that, but he had that significant calf injury last year, another calf injury now. I'm like, that's too many calf injuries for me uh, with limited upside there. I just um, yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be in on him. You're not doing us any favours. Halfback was already short, wasn't it? Yeah, fuck. Fucking hell. Mm. Back mm. to the drawing board, I mm. think. Tough, tough, tough. Just take, just take Dewey at pick nine and don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's a fair. It's a fair call, yeah. Fair, brother. All right, before we get out of here, brother, uh, do you want to talk about the Patreon and your potty? Uh, again, give it, a, give it a good plug. Yeah, guys, look, as I said, like I, I've listed off a few guys there of value, but I, I definitely did find and I, I spent – you know, a lot of times sort of looking through not only injury histories, but how those injury histories affected guys' super coach scoring. So looking back, like things like, you know, you could argue Ruben Cotter's role at the start of last year was a bit diminished in the team and he was building his way in. But the other thing was too, is that he was coming back from that Liz Frank injury. And and that's the kind of stuff that you're not going to get. You're just not going to get it anywhere else. You don't, you don't have people sort of considering that. That's what I consider. That's what I look at. Um, and there's that kind of info for over 250 players. So, Ooh, yeah. 250, that is outrageous. Yes, wow. yes. I, I try my best. So, patreon.com slash NRL Physio, or you can get the individual download link at my uh, socials. Um, and then, yeah, we record a Magic Sponge pod every Sunday night during the season. We're trying to do a few in the off-season as well. I think we're actually going to go through position by position, Uh maybe this week or next week and kind of just give our values and non-values uh, both from a draft and a classic perspective um, at different positions. And I'll try and make that as injury centric as possible. So um, as an addition to this, if you probably want to get more specific um, on the position by position, uh, have a listen. Oh, I'll be listening, baby. I'll be there. I'll be in the crowd. I'll be in the crowd. Mate, I- Again, thanks so much for coming on, mate. We love it when you get in here and lend us your soft, supple hands for a big rub. 
because I mean, there's a few guys there that you know we had had differing opinions on, and hearing you talk about their injuries or how they're coming into the season has definitely given us something to go away and think about. You know, we're going to toggle with our rankings now just because of that in-depth analysis with their injuries, man. It is it is gold the stuff that you put out, brother. No, I appreciate it, boys. Hopefully, um, yeah, some more people jump on board and and, and see what uh, what I've got to offer because uh, yeah, I certainly enjoy uh, enjoy sort of the interaction with fellow uh, super coaches, especially in the draft realm. Yeah, the fact that it's like it is super coach focused as well. The output that you're getting from them, you're mad not to not to get involved. That's it. It's like so. half a beer, half a beer. It's worth now. It's nothing. You can't get a coffee for five bucks. It's ridiculous. Nothing. Not even a pot a pot of craft beer. No, nah, not even. No, definitely not in fuck down Sydney, that's for sure. No, no, exactly. Uh mate, you're the best, Brian. We love you. No, I love it, boys. I love coming on. Uh, you guys are definitely the podcast I spend the most time talking on in this preseason, but you hit all my, uh, all my, I guess, my trigger points with uh, draft and injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's really good fun. We know how to Don't work you. We know how to work you. Come on for that. Happy <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get you back probably um, mid-season and, and catch up again and talk about some injuries that no doubt will happen uh, in the first sort of 12 to 13 rounds. Um, uh, but, yeah, we look forward to it, bro. Sweet, boys. Uh, good luck in every draft except any that I'm in with you. Yeah, yeah very, very little luck to you as Thanks, well, mate. <laughs> See, <laughs> good luck with those nappies. Cheers, yeah, cheers, brother. You can take me now. I have seen it all. Get that India.